The semi-biopic Honey Boy ended up being a real surprise for me at Sundance this year, and it was a very pleasant one. In this film, Shia LaBeouf examines his own life as a childhood actor who, as he grew up, it spiraled out of control and eventually ended up with him getting into deep counseling to deal with all the trauma that he dealt with. Uh, The film takes a very close, sometimes almost too close look at what it's like to be a childhood actor. And setting all the vanity aside, LaBeouf lances these deep psychological wounds that seem to have plagued him for years. Now, this was my golden child for Sundance 2019. Rare, raw emotions left me enthralled. She's Tuesday, and I'm Kaylee. Let's get meta with Shia LaBeouf in Honey Boy here on Whiskey and Popcorn. When 12-year-old Otis starts getting regular gigs as a childhood TV star in Hollywood, his ex-rodeo clown father returns to serve as his guardian. Otis's time is spent either on set or spending downtime with his father at an extended-stay motel near the filming. Now, despite his father's sobriety and regular AA meetings, Otis still endures his father's verbal and physical abuse. Honey Boy follows two different threads of time. One, we're watching the father and son's contentious relationship, as well as their attempts to mend it over the course of more than a decade. And I think it's really important to note that while this film is very much a personal look at Shia's life, it is very artistic. And the film is also not directed by him. It's written by him and he stars in it, but he doesn't direct it. Uh, Alma Harrell is the director and she's known for her ability to blend both documentary and fiction into these really powerful, riveting stories. And in fact, she was featured on Fast Company's 2018 list of most creative people in business and Adweek's 2018 list of disruptors. So it kind of gives you a little taste there of who she is as a director. And I think what she told Deadline really sums up why she attached herself to this project, to Honey Boy. And she said, quote, there are people who are as good at acting as Shia, but there aren't any who are better than him, end quote. And Harrell herself is actually, she's an Israeli-born director, and she grew up as a child of an alcoholic father and had to find her own way through adversity. So I think there was a real sense of kinship, of common ground with them, where they could share their own experiences and feel comfortable enough to put those experiences on screen in Shia's case. But also, like we said, this is an artistic a biopic. So how much of this is true to fact versus fiction, the lines are blurred. But given that experimental feeling of her directing style, I think that melds really well with LaBeouf's kind of shock and awe slash cry for help artistic style that he's developed over the years. And there's been a period of his life, because if we all recall, we remember him as the cute kid on the Disney Channel. Uh-huh. Even Stevens in particular is the one that first, where I first saw him. And I was like in love with him. I was like, oh my gosh, he's amazing. He's funny. And at that time I was young. I'm like, he's cute. (laughs) (laughs) And then all of a sudden he just kind of went off the deep end. And just as a casual observer, 
even before I became a book critic, I'm like, what happened, dude? Um, I didn't understand what his plight was. I could just be that, oh my gosh, here's another actor who just went out of control. But, you know, the, that period of time in his life, he was desperately reaching out for help, it sounds like. Um, and he wanted healing and even like forgiveness is what I feel like this whole period of time was. And, you know, that's how this film came across to me as it's, it's this is his I'm sorry, not necessarily to the world, but maybe to himself, you know, and, and giving himself forgiveness and his father as well. Well, let's be honest, even if this film is only half biographical, Shia had a horrendous childhood. <laughs> no kidding. From court-ordered scribblings to become this brilliant film, with the help of Alma, of course, it, it really shows amazing things can come about from being at rock bottom. And this is a very sincere look at where things went wrong for Shia LaBeouf. And it's also kind of a window into his demons. And it is. It almost feels like it, it needed he needed to explain himself. Mm-hmm. And what a brilliant way to do it. Now, having what I would and most consider an extremely normal normal childhood, which my parents are still together to this day, and they never raised a voice at one another, I, I found myself completely fascinated with this film. It's more than your like typical abusive, alcohol-fueled, like coming-of-age story. And I can't pinpoint it. Maybe it's because we feel like we grew up with him, or maybe LaBeouf had such a strong presence in the film. I, just, I don't know. It almost felt like a confession to the world, kind of like what you were saying. I'm, I'm just having trouble explaining it. No, I think I understand what you're trying to say. Like In this film, Shia actually plays the father figure. I think that was a really cathartic act for him to do that, to get into his father's head. This is the man that as far as we can tell, he did love and wanted to be loved by him and looked up to him as any child would to their parent, but not getting that love. And also the, the that relationship between, and he says it in the film, the, the, the child actor in the film. So like, you know, nobody else would hire a felon. You know, you work for me. And how... How does that change the family, the the father-son relationship when your son is like, you know, 12 years old and he's the one who's paying your your way, you know? And so being able to kind of work out those thoughts, because Shia lived it. So now he got to be in the, the father role and work out what was his father probably feeling at these times. And I, I think um, it was just brilliantly done to get into your father's head like that it's very meta in yeah, many it's ways so meta but I can see how it can be very therapeutic especially having him gone through substance alcohol abuse to then be able to play his father's role and maybe even understand it more and not necessarily where he's coming from and you know that tough love kind of dad but now being in a position where he's lived more of his life Mm-hmm. And then being able to play his dad and be like, no, I, you know, maybe I can see his side of these things or, you know, it. But all in all, very meta. <laughs> and then alongside this track where we see the young boy and his father, uh, we have the older, uh, if you will, Shia, uh, child actor, uh, played by none other than Lucas Hedges. <laughs> <laughs> and 
we actually start with him and it, it there's this theme that runs through the movie is this just like reoccurring all right set reset do it again set reset do it again and these are when he's on set and he's having to do the same the same stunt over and over again the same line over and over again this sort of just like monotony after now over and over and we we see that it's kind of alluded to at the beginning where it's i think it's supposed to be like if you will Transformers. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean they make it very even Steven esque for young Otis, and it's it's very Transformers. Any one of the movies he was in, like I mean to say that it's not biographical would be ridiculous. <laughs> and essentially, you know, we we see the meltdown that happens first. How he was, you know, alcoholic and in just kind of these out-of-control relationships that led to the horrendous car crash. Uh, I think there might have been multiple car crashes, DUIs at least, on Chaya's record. But the the last one's the one where he was sent to basically rehab, and the court's like, you you need to get your act together or else. And that's where he is court-ordered to start writing about his past, as I understand it. Um, and eventually that's where the movie came from. But we see this happening. Again, many layers of meta mm-hmm. in here. And I just think it was so telling to see that process. And what, the thing that's jumped out at me is they said, you have PTSD. He's like, what? I'm not a soldier. I, right. I didn't have, you know... A, he d- didn't understand how he, as a childhood actor, could have PTSD. But then we start getting those really, I don't want to say flashbacks, because flashbacks are, like, super short, but the these long episodes of where we see his childhood and how, all right, he got left behind at the set, or, you know, his dad was beating on him, or verbally putting him down, and... Like, verbally masculating him, talking about, you know, his genitalia not being man enough, and, I mean, all of these things can very much add up to a PTSD-like concept. Yeah. But many people don't think of it like that. And so, you know, I think it was just a fascinating psychological look that way as well. And, you know, reminding us, the audience, that PTSD can happen in any sort of traumatic situation, whether it's you're you're verbally and physically abused or uh, you're in war and everything in between. But the other thing I really want to point out in this film, separate from all this stuff, is just the use of lighting and colors. You know, we have the shabby single room that father and son share it's super drab very depressing uh in its color scheme and patterns it's molding and rotting and it mirrors their relationship where it's just it's festering on the outside of the where they live you know you can see the decay you can see the wear and tear but there's like this veneer of paint on the buildings you have the golden southern california light there's almost a sense of like hope that there is there's something beyond the horizon there. And then of course where there's the sets where he acted over the top bright, happy, nothing could go wrong. All this juxtapositioning of the colors um, and the the lighting that helped further advance the story. And there's a moment where he's basically hanging out with the uh, the hooker who lives several <laughs> doors down. And he's just being a kid playing with her, but he's getting that moment of childhoodness that he's kind of denied. But the colors are like these kind of soft purples and blues from the neon lights. And it's almost like, again, that artificialness of the the sets. 
you know, longing for something better. And I was just like blown away by the visuals of all that. It really just kind of sunk in on a different level for me. No, beautiful observation. You know, even adult Otis in rehab, his area tends to be very dull and with brown backdrops. And, you know, at, at this point, we've, we've seen Lucas Hedges in quite a few films. Um, <laughs> and he, he, don't get me wrong, he did keep his A game with this one as an adult, uh, or as an adult Otis. But honestly, my two favorite performances were Shia himself playing his father and Noah Jupe playing young Otis. I mean, Shia's been pretty under the radar for multiple years, and this is probably the most outstanding way I've ever seen to come back on the scene. And of course, him playing his father, you know, playing even halfway through the film, I forgot that he was playing his father. Mm -hmm. And and that takes some intense acting. Well, I think it's just a testament to LaBeouf's ability as an actor, which I think got lost a, because, you know, he worked for the Disney Channel for so long. And then he did Transformers, which is kind of like one of those now throwaway franchises. Um, he's done other things, of course. But then he spiraled out of control. But he is such a consummate actor. He is one of those people who puts his full self into his performances. And, I mean, even on the Disney Channel, that's what I gravitated towards. Because you don't see him. You see the person he's playing. It's not Shia playing even Stevens. It's even Steven. <laughs> And if we can just push aside the alcohol or the drugs or the PTSD, when you really shed away all of that, he is just an outstanding actor. Mm. And I hope this isn't the last, and I hope that we get to see him in a happier and more controlled state with himself so that we can see that acting shine out again. Now, while we were in the midst of Sundance, Amazon purchased Honey Boy in the ballpark of $5 million. So we will keep an eye out for when they premiere it on Amazon so you guys can catch it via your monthly subscription. So, of course, we got to wrap this up with a drink, and I'll go first. Do it. I wanted something that was going to kind of capture the essence of the bitter sweetness of this film. Okay. So I was thinking of something that had grapefruit in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like using deep eddy grapefruit liqueur, maybe some grapefruit juice, but also like a splash of honey water and then mix it all in with like a wheat beer, like Blue Moon or something like that. So um, wow, you're doing a big mix. I'm okay. doing a big. This is, this is a this is not your grandma's cough syrup here, <laughs> but it's complex, just like this film. So. Uh, to play off of the uh, the honey feel, I'm actually going to do a Jack Daniels honey on the rocks with a chilled glass. Sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a little bit of sting in there with a little bit of cold, because that's you know that that's that was the overall feel I got, especially from his dad. So, <laughs> and a, a nightcap from our unofficial sponsors, uh, <laughs> High West Whiskey. <laughs> We're still open to partnering with you if you guys ever hear this. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, don't be the last one to subscribe. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And of course, feel free to stop by our website at whiskeyandpopcorn.org or even air your daddy issues on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're at Whiskey and Popcorn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the movies.